are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see. Only emptiness and darkness and nothing. But God was there, and God had a wonderful plan. I'll take this emptiness, God said, and I'll fill it up. And out of the nothing, I'm going to make everything. God spoke, that's all, and whatever he said, it happened. God said, hello, light. And light shone into the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. You're good, God said, and they were. Then God said, hello sea, hello sky, and a great space opened up wide and deep and high. You're good, God said. Then God said, hello land, and there splashing up through the oceans came cliffs, mountains, sandy beaches, and God said, you're good. Hello trees, God said. Hello grass and flowers, you're good, God said. Hello stars, God said. Hello sun, hello moon, and whizzing into the darkness came fiery globes spinning around and around, whirring orange and purple and golden planets, you're good, God said. Hello birds, hello fish, hello animals. The earth was filled with noisy noises, chirping, singing, splashing, wriggling, roaring and snapping, you're good, God said, and they were. God saw all that he had made, and he loved them, and they were lovely because he loved them, but God saved the best for last. The God who spoke bent down into the dust and mud, and with his own two hands he formed Adam and then Eve and breathed life into lifeless lungs. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they saw was God's face, and when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. And Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the song of love to the one who made them. God looked at everything he had made. Perfect, he said, and it was. Adam and Eve lived happily together in their beautiful new home. And everything was perfect for a while until the day when everything went wrong. God had an enemy, Satan, the one who had once become unsatisfied with the status of beautiful he desired to be ultimate. He grew proud and evil and full of hate until the day God sent him away, now seething with anger and looking for a way to hurt God. He wanted to stop God's plan, stop this love story right there, so he disguised himself as a snake and waited. Now God had given Adam and Eve only one rule. Don't eat the fruit of that tree, because if you do, you'll think you know everything. You'll stop trusting me, and then death and sadness and tears will come. You see, God knew if they ate the fruit, they would think they didn't need him. They would try and make themselves happy without him. But God knew there was no such thing as happiness without him, and life without him would be no life at all. 
As soon as the snake saw his chance, he slithered silently up to Eve. Does God really love you? The servant whispered. If he does, why won't he let you eat the nice, juicy, delicious fruit? Perhaps God doesn't want you to be happy. The snake's words hissed into her ears and sunk down deep into her heart like poison. And with the bite of forbidden fruit, a terrible lie came in and covered the truth. It would live on and never leave in every human heart whispering to every one of God's children, God doesn't love me. The perfect dream became a nightmare. And at that moment, God's voice rang through the air, Adam, where are you? The voice that had before caused them to run to him now sent them running from him in shame and shadows. Adam, where are you? Hiding. And as one pointed to the other in anger and blame, a terrible pain came into the heart of God. His children hadn't just broken a rule. They had broken relationship with him. You see, sin had come into God's perfect world and it would never leave. God's children would always be hiding in the dark. Their hearts would break and never work properly again. You will have to leave the garden now. God told his children, eyes full of tears. This is no longer your home. There's no place for you here. Before they left the garden, God whispered a promise, though, to Adam and Eve. It will not always be so. I will come to rescue you. And when I do, I'm going to do battle against the snake. I'll get rid of the sin and the dark and the sadness now consuming your hearts. I'm coming back to you. And he would. One day, God himself would come. What I want to do is I want to hit pause for just a moment. Kind of a timeout. Because for, for many of you here this morning, maybe, maybe you were invited by somebody or maybe, maybe you, are, you would call Anthem your church and you came here this morning because you're like, oh, we're celebrating Christmas and now maybe if you're invited with that, you're thinking maybe this is the wrong service or maybe, maybe these people just celebrate Christmas really strangely. But I want to I wanna hit pause here because what I want to do is I want to kind of fill in some gaps that maybe have, have created in your mind as you've, as you've watched this so far, as you've, as you've experienced this. I want to I kind of give some commentary to what we've seen so far because what I think that we need to understand and what we need to continue to remember is that Christmas is an incredible story, but it's a story within a larger context. It's a story within a story. It's a story within a story that starts back at Genesis 1 and 2, where we see God's original design. We see God creating. We see God creating light and dark and land and sea and all these different things. And and after everything, he says, oh, that's good. And this is good. And this is good. And then he creates man and woman. He creates mankind. And emphatically then, he says, this is very good. And we see this relationship play out. We see Adam and Eve in complete, perfect relationship with each other, in in perfect relationship with God. I think one of the the best verses in this section is Genesis, Genesis 2, verse 25. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. 
The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. What, what we see there, what we need to understand in, the, in those two verses is, is we see the fact that, that they, there was no fear in the garden. There was no shame in the garden, right? They could be with each other. They could be in complete relationship. They didn't need to, to hide anything. They didn't need to, to try and one-up each other. It was, it was perfect, no shame, they didn't need to, they didn't have any stuff that they needed to hide. They were completely vulnerable with each other, and they were completely vulnerable, vulnerable before God, their creator. And it was perfect. But then, then we see in Genesis 3, we move quickly on to the next chapter where mankind makes a choice. Right? They, they, they make this choice instead of living out of the perfection for which they were created with the one who created them and loved them, they decided instead to give their trust, their hope, their lives to something else. Genesis 3, 6 through 7 says this, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. You see, before that, God had told them, like you saw, that we have one, there's one thing, like you can eat anything, you can do anything, that's, it's perfect, you can be vulnerable, there's, this, this is perfect, but just don't do this. And it's almost like, as we read that verse, it's almost like mankind said, you know what, I, I know what God says, but man, look how good this is. Look how good that looks. I know what God says, but, but I, I think this thing right here just... Man, that looks like it's really going to fill me up. That, that looks like it's going to fulfill me. I know, I know that God says that this thing over here is off limits. But, but how can it be off limits if it looks like it's going to make me so happy, if it looks like it's going to fulfill me? It's almost like they said, I know, I know what God says. I know what God wants, but, but I'm going to do what I want. And then in verse 7, says, then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. You see, what happens as, as they make that choice, as they decide to put something other than God in the place of God, to, to find fulfillment in something else other than God, their creator, what happens is all of a sudden shame enters into the world. Right, because now they have something to hide. Now they, they can't be vulnerable. They can't, they can't let each other see themselves. They, they can't be vulnerable with each other. They can't be vulnerable with God because now they have some stuff that they gotta hide, right? They have some stuff in their lives that they're not proud of. And then in verse 10, Adam says, and this is when God comes into the garden and he's saying, Adam, what did you do? Why are you hiding? Adam says in verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. See, they go, from, they go from, from being naked and unashamed, there's no fear, there's no shame, they're in perfect relationship with God, the one who made them, the one who loved them, perfect relationship, they go from that to, to hiding and covering, because now they, they can't be seen. Now they, they, they have some stuff, they have some things in their lives that they're not proud of, and, and fear and shame enter in, and, and they hide in that Romans 121 says it this way in the New Testament it says for although they knew God they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened they knew God but they didn't see God as 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 one to be honored they said you know we we know you but we're going to do this and and the reason 
we hit pause here is because into this broken relationship, that's what sin is, it's, it's broken relationship, it's saying, okay, I, I know you, but I want this thing, I'm going to put this over you, that's what sin is. We're going to push pause here because we all know what this looks like, and maybe, maybe you're saying, well, why, why do we stop there? That seems like a poor place to, to pause everything, but we do it because we know what this feels like. We do it because ever since that day, this has been echoing throughout creation, and we see it all throughout the Old Testament, and we see it in, we see it in our world today, don't we? You don't have to look very far to see this brokenness, to see this tension. We see it, we see it played out in, in the racism. We see it played out in the, the sexual abuse and exploitation of women. I mean, let's be honest. It seems like every day somebody else comes out who is, who is authority in our culture in our world and it turns out that they have been exploiting women and other people they've been using we see this brokenness we see it in bombings and shootings and and terror attacks we see it displayed every day on our computers in social media we have so much access we we see it every day on our smartphones see but it's not only out there the brokenness doesn't just live out there it lives in here as well right it lives in each and every one of us because i mean how many times have you heard somebody say well you know hey lay off me i'm i'm only human right because by definition what it means to be human is it means to be broken it means to be flawed it means that that i'm not a perfect person right we see marriages break and, and people try and explain it away and say, well, well, you know, it's probably for the best. We see people, we see people die. I mean, it's not only spiritually, but physically. We see people die, and then, and then other people say things like, well, they're probably in a better place. Even though the majority, have you ever been in a place where it's like, do you really know that? Like, the majority of people who say that, it seems like they don't really know that. They, they just know that this brokenness is just, just wrong. They're trying to explain it away. They're trying to find a reprieve from it for just a few seconds. For just a little while, see, we live in, in this sin and this shame and this brokenness and this fear, and we all know what it feels like because Romans 3.10 says this, as it is written, none is righteous, not one. See, that means, that means for, for a lot of people, they, they hear, you know, when I'm, when I'm a pastor, they think, well, you must be perfect, Right? You, must, you must have been born with a Bible in your hands. And, and uh, guys, I, I want to tell you right now, my parents are here in the audience. They can tell you stories of my imperfection if, if you have a couple hours. See, I, I'm not perfect either. We, we all, the Bible says we have all sinned. We have all fallen short. We all feel this. And the worst part of it is, we can do nothing to restore ourselves. See, in the same way, if a, if a man were to commit adultery against his wife or a wife were to cheat on her husband, right, that, that person who commits adultery, that person who cheats, they can do nothing to restore that relationship. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that is what each and every one of us has done to God, with God, with that relationship. And we can do nothing to restore that. In fact, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, the thing that we deserve, the thing that, that we should get for what we've done is death. We stand condemned by our sin, by that broken relationship, and yet into this, insert Christmas, 
right? Insert Christmas, and we all know the scenes of the season. I love Christmas. I love decorating for Christmas. I love setting up my nativity scene with my little baby Jesus in the manger and the wise men and the shepherds, even though that's not completely accurate, but it's Christmas. So, you know, we have the wise men and the shepherds and the angels and the stars, and we we have all these things, but the question still remains, like, how does that impact the reality of this brokenness? How does that impact all this? How does that answer this? And I think that it answers this in places like Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. In the New Testament, very beginning of the New Testament, in the story of Christmas, it says, And the angel said to them, saying to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is Christ the Lord. The Lord, that word Christ, it's not, that word Christ, it's not just Jesus' last name. That's what I used to think. I used to think Jesus Christ. That's what people say, right? Like Jesus Christ, son of Mary and Joseph Christ, brother of other Christ people. But it's not, it's not his last name. What it actually is, it's a title. And it actually, it's, it's the Greek word for Messiah. I know like one Greek word, so be completely impressed, right? It's the... Christ is Greek for Messiah, and Messiah means the promised deliverer. That's what that means. So the angels proclaiming, saying to the shepherds, peace, your Savior has been born. The one who was promised has been born in Matthew chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Another angel is talking to Joseph about Mary, and he says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, you see what's happening. The angels saying, look, the one who was cheated against, the one who, who, was, who the relationship was broken against, he is coming. God is saying, I know that you can't do anything, and so I'm coming back for you. I'm coming to you. I know that you have stuff in your life. I know that you have sin and shame. You can't do anything about, but I can. See, that's, that's what we see. This promise that was promised way back in the garden throughout the Old Testament is happening. And, and as the angels talk about Jesus, they're saying, look, he has come. You need saving. A savior has come. And that, that is what we see throughout the Bible. It's the story of God bringing his people back to himself. It's, it's people who have sinned, people who have broken relationship. People who have broken relationship with God by putting their hope and trust in other things. People who are, who are living in brokenness and shame and hiding and trying to cover up. We see God bringing restoration into the tension through the person of Jesus. See, John 3.16, one of, one of the first verses I ever memorized when I was a kid. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, that's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is that a savior has come, right? And, and the question, though, for you this morning is, is he your savior? Now, some of you in here, you might, be, you might be able to answer, yes, absolutely, he is my savior. I've experienced freedom. I know what it means to turn from my sin and my shame and say, I don't want this brokenness to define me anymore. I don't want to hide who I am anymore. 
I want to I come to God. I want to find freedom. You, you've experienced that. And for, for you, Christian, follower of Christ, for me, what, what I believe that we need to do this, this Christmas season is we need to continue to walk in the reality of that freedom. That this Christmas, and, and all Christmases, and, and not just Christmas, we need to celebrate the reality of the fact that we are saved, and that we are redeemed, and that we are loved by God. Amen? Yeah, I say amen sometimes, because I get excited about this stuff, right? We see this, and, and, and Christians, what we need to do continuously is we need, to, we need to let this reality inform our lives. We need to live, we should live as loved people because that's who we are, because God has redeemed us. Even though we are broken in the midst of our sin and shame, God has redeemed us. And for those of you in here this morning, you, you, you don't really know what you would say to that question. You would say, well, well I mean, maybe you would say, well, I, I agree that Jesus is a savior, right? But I don't know if he's my savior because to say, to say that he's your savior, that... That would mean something, right? That, that would mean you, you would need to own up to some stuff, and, and primarily you would need to own the fact that you need saving. You would, you would need to, to stop trying to cover up, and you would need to say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this out here. I'm going to stop, stop hiding in this shame. I'm going to stop letting this, this brokenness define me. I'm going to stop running after these things that, that I think will, will fulfill me but never do. And for those of you who have never taken that step, you've, you've never turned to God, my prayer for you this morning is that you, would, that you would, that you would turn to God, that you would stop making excuses for your brokenness, that you would stop trying to cover up your sin. You might say, well, but I got some stuff, right? That I, I got some stuff that, that I'm trying to hide, I'm not proud of. God knows that. My prayer for you is that you would stop trying to make excuses for that shame, for that sin, and that you would come to him, that you would experience the freedom that only comes from seeking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to know you in your shame, and that you would walk in that forgiveness that he has given. See, that's the message of Christmas. A Savior has come unto you this day. A Savior has been born, and he is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Praise you for your goodness. Praise you for your mercy. God, I praise you for the fact that you have come, that you have given us freedom. And God, I do pray that if there are those in here who who don't know you, God, if there are those in here who, who haven't experienced that freedom, God, I ask that you would that you would draw them to yourself this morning praise you. It's in your name. Amen. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here. The air hung heavy. God was coming to help his people just as he promised. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would surely bow down, seas would roar, trees would clap their hands when God came to defeat sin and death, but the earth held its breath. Scholars debating, 
saying that the Savior would come with a sword in his hand and fire in his eyes, making war against their seen slavery. Yet for centuries, there was silence. Nothing to see, nothing to hear, nothing to feel. But God was there. As silent as snow falling, he came. When no one was looking, he came. Into the darkness, he came. The God who flung planets into space and kept them in station. The God who made the universe with just a word and no consultation. The God who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. After nine months, in a young mother's womb with the denial of an innkeeper's room, the baby that would change the world was born, wrapped in swaddling clothes to keep him warm. Deity didn't descend as royalty, but was born in a barn like a poor man's donkey. Glory in the highest, running down to meet the lowest. Jesus was his name, Emmanuel, God with us, the angels proclaimed. The star shone bright, leading magi and shepherds with expectant hearts. In the company of animals, the one who would change it all, Jesus came into life. And with his life, he brought life to the lifeless. Jesus would make blind people see, lame people walk, deaf people hear. Jesus would make sad things come untrue, mending God's broken world, taking the torn back to new. This baby is not just a baby. He is the radical revolutionary who came to do the saving, who spoke uncomfortable truth to the narrow-minded religious, who turned over tables for justice. He is Emmanuel, who is God with us, saving us from us, killing the power of the snake with his blood on the cross. Jesus would pursue God's children to bring back that which was lost. Jesus would show people that God would always love them with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So they didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or ashamed. They could stop running away from God and they could run to him with new names. We stand here at Christmas time and worship God because the king took on flesh and became lowly so that we who are broken can become holy. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem.